You are validated. I am validated. We are good together. Far, far away, Star Wars toys began, and Kenner continues the excitement. The Empire Strikes Back collection. El regreso del Jedi. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Star Wars Collectors Archive Podcast. It's Kivecast. Present Star Space Station with a snap open space hatch. Sometimes known as the Vintage Pod. Wow, what a weird trait. A monthly audio magazine dedicated to vintage Star Wars toys and memorabilia. Hosted by Sky Payne, Fudd, Chewbacca, and Steven B. Dem. B-Wing Fighters and B-Wing Pilot X, B-Wing Pilot X, B-Wing Pilot X, B-Wing Pilot X. Market data mined by Brisbane Brisbane Mike. Luke Skywalker handles his saber well. And Fratastic Pete. Boba Fett has a see-through helmet. Tech support by the low ones. Wampa Wampa. Welcome to Cavcast number 68. Yes, 68, Steve. It's another two in a row of not being a, a, a typical episode, Steve. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you think of that? Uh, I mean, I think when you have a new Star Wars movie coming out, it's okay, right? Yeah, it, it pretty much upsets the entire thing in a really good way. And uh, I want to sort of tell everybody the, the circumstances behind recording this. Um, I was out taking Bo for a walk. Uh, I've been grading uh, papers all day, Steve. Um, I, I haven't left my <laughs> end house. End of the year, or end of the year stuff, yeah. yeah. Yeah, end of the year. I'm grading finals, final papers, all that stuff. I'm, like, I'm just going to take a walk. And I take a walk, and then I think, you know, I really want to listen to more talk about The Force Awakens. So I've listened to one of the two um, uh, Force casts about it. I mean, one of the two Rebel Force radios about it. I'm going to listen to the yeah. second one today. Making Star Wars, Vintage Rebellion, Galaxy of Toys. Everyone's releasing a podcast about the episode, Steve. Um, and I wouldn't do it, except the reason that we started this show was we said, we wish that this show existed. I want this episode to exist where we give our reactions about episode seven, uh, The Force Awakens. So right. I called Steve on my walk. And what are you doing today, Steve? So it just happened to be that I just decided to take today off just to take a personal day. I'm just at home with Digby, and so just like the timing couldn't have been better. It's awesome because I also too like you know I'm I'm a 50/50 divorced dad guy, um, and sort of our holidays are kind of broken up, so I'm not really going to see my kids until Christmas, um, and that was as of yesterday. And my girlfriend and her family are in Philadelphia visiting family, so I also. I also don't do well being alone, Steve. You may have noticed that about me. Um, <laughs> I, I tend to sort of chew on my uh, leg like a dog. So this is also a good excuse to kind of sit around and talk uh, and yeah. With, with, yeah. with a friend. Now, no, this, good. I was hoping we could at some point. So Yeah, and I, and I didn't want to like shoehorn it into an episode, but this is yeah. the key. This is the key, Steve. One, this episode is not going to be enhanced, so I'm sorry. Nope. But I don't need to show you pictures of the Force Awakens because you've already seen it. Um, <laughs> two, 
I hadn't planned this list out. So I don't know if this list is going to work. But three, um, it's it's going to be centered around – our discussion is going to be centered around vintage winners and vintage losers. Right. So I'm thinking that certain characters and certain items I think will go up in value or will be more sought after because of The Force Awakens. And certain ones, Steve, I think, I think they're going to go down. <laughs> and, and I can tell you there's going to be a lot of people upset with my list, including Stephen B. Danley. <laughs> I guess I, I think that. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll, have to, we'll have to get – so it's the top ten vintage items that either have won or lost based on The Force Awakens. Um, right. But first, you know, let's kind of talk about our experience, Steve. What was your experience seeing it the first time? Yeah, so uh, back when they released, or, you know, made an announcement that a movie was coming, uh, our good friend Brock told me, he's like, all right, this is happening. We're going to come out to stay with you guys that weekend. We're going to see it together. I'm like, okay, perfect. It's an awesome thing. It's something I've never, I realized that none of my collecting friends, I hadn't seen a new Star Wars movie with, with any of them for the first time. Like, never. So I'm like, oh, this, this is a good opportunity to do that and so they they came out here for uh, about four days and we saw the movie at midnight uh, in downtown la uh i see this is crazy so as we got out of the car and we're walking up to the theater i looked to my right and this is something that never happens but there was a celebrity there it was colin hanks which is bizarre <laughs> <laughs> that's cool but i just been sitting there and i looked to my right and he's just standing there with his girlfriend who was wearing like yoda ears and uh, they just we walked into the theater at the same time, so it was very bizarre. Uh, so that was kind of cool. And um, yeah, I mean, the movie the first time around, I I was you know it's just hard to explain. You're you're overwhelmed. Uh, you can't really take your focus on any one thing. You're just kind of trying to to soak it in. And you know, I, I liked it the first time, but it really it really didn't you know settle in until I got to see it a second time. Um, in 2D, I didn't. I didn't think 3D did much of anything for it. I don't know. Did you see it in 2D or 3D? I'm going to answer that question, but first we're going to have a break because there's a okay. squirrel on my bird feeder, and I've never had a squirrel on my bird feeder, so I don't want them to get the idea that, I, that this that this kind of aggression <laughs> will stand. Okay, so I'll be right back with my answer about 2D versus 3D. One second. Okay, I'm back, Steve. All right. Just in case you thought this was going to be an episode uh, without its usual shenanigans, um, <laughs> I'm just looking straight out my window, and I have one of these bird feeders that f- that flings squirrels like off, like into the distance, and it's awesome. <laughs> Except that the battery died, and so I'm sitting there, I'm like, "How is this happening?" And I couldn't pay attention to you while this squirrel, which is ironic because squirrels are actually my favorite animal, um, <laughs> and also too the uh, should be mentioned, you're you're. Audio is a little bit off this week, um, this month. Yeah. Because you're yeah. on, I have to talk to you on your cell phone. Um, and for some yeah. reason, you live in the part of LA without cell phone reception. Um, <laughs> so you asked me about 2D versus 3D, Steve. Yeah. Yeah. And it happens to be that one of my friends from high school is one of the main producers of the 3D effects on The Force Awakens. Really? Yes. And, wow. and he's had a non-disclosure agreement for a year. And so he hasn't talked to me about it at all. And he finally got to yeah. tell me. Um, so that does color my opinion. I hate okay. all 3D movies, basically, categorically. Right. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in the boat. So when I saw it, I intentionally saw it 
two times in 2D because, as I said in my inimical blowhard way, I want story before spectacle. Uh, right. That was right. the way that I thought of it. So I saw it last night uh, in 3D, and I thought it was cool in 3D. Okay. Like I thought it was worth it for like the scenes in the Star Destroyer. I thought that was really cool, like the the depth that was there. Yeah. And a couple of the scenes of right. the Falcon and that cool thing where that like bullet is like hanging in the air and stuff. Um, oh, right. Yeah. So I didn't think it I, – I liked it in I liked it in 3D more than I've liked any other movie in 3D that wasn't a 3D movie. If right. that makes sense. Right. Like okay. Avatar yeah, was better, sense. but Avatar is unwatchable in 2D. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, so, okay. That, that makes complete sense. Yeah. So that's funny that, that you had never watched a movie with a, a vintage Star Wars friend. Steve, No. I, I never would watch a Star Wars movie for the first time with a vintage friend, except for Brock, because, actually, no, not even him, because all you guys are a bunch of prequel-hating snobs, and you're my friends, but I don't want any risk of me coming out and having some kind of transformative experience and having you go over and be like, lame, like, my fear of that is so great that the only people yeah. I would watch the movie with are people on my wavelength. And, and strangely enough, that is my kids and, uh, and my ex-wife. Um, yeah. So yeah. It, it ended up being this really funny kind of healing moment because, you know, my ex-wife and I, we watched episode three, you know, in the presence of Mark Hamill. And then we saw episode two, three times in one weekend. And we disagree about a lot of things. And, you know, I'm, I'm happily divorced as they say. Um, but that was right, one thing that, yeah. that we always shared. And so I just invited her and said, well, actually, it was her day with the kids anyway. So um, yeah. I guess she invited me. So we all went, and it was like this really nice moment. And then the, th cool. then the thematics of the movie is like, how can people who don't want to be together again but still respect each other work together and care about their yeah. children? Like It was like right. it was made for the situation I was in. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so so I that saw it. At, went went well. Yeah, it went really well, and so I saw it the the first time at the seven thirty show and whatever the earliest one was. Um, yeah, and that was you know, uh, I dare any anybody who says they hate that movie, okay, and have a daughter that loves it, <laughs> because yeah, because as a, a father of a daughter, not since the last Tron movie have I been like, oh thank God they finally made a female character that is of substance, that isn't pandering, that's interesting, that's funny, that's, you know, all these positive traits and, and doesn't show her right. belly button. You don't see her belly button once, Steve. I know. It's, that's, it just makes me think of that stupid scene in episode two where that cat thing rips her, you know, you know thing or clothes. It's just like, well, that, that's exactly what I hate about that. I mean, this is complete, completely the opposite of that. Right. It's called a Nexu, Steve. <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. So anyway, so that was the first time that I saw it. And and uh, actually going back to my – I posted about this on, on Facebook, so some of you who yeah. know me on Facebook. But speaking of my ex, my ex-father-in-law um, had this whole spiel about travel where he said that mm -hmm. for when you travel, there's three trips, the one you plan, the one you take, and then the one you remember. And, right. Yeah. And I realized that that's kind of the same way with movies. There's the one you anticipate, the one you mm -hmm. watch, and then the one that you talk about or analyze. Yep. Yeah. And at least two out of those three, that was the best movie I've ever seen. 
meaning yeah. I've, I've never had more fun waiting for a movie. And you were spoiler-free. Brock and I, I was. were as spoiler-heavy as possible, and it was totally yeah. fun. Did it that, didn't ruin anything. And it, was, it didn't, ruin, didn't ruin it for you? No, I knew Han was going to die. Okay. I didn't care. You know, it's okay because these well, of are, course you didn't care, <laughs> right? It's like about time. I hope you'll be in the first five minutes. Chewy, we're home. <laughs> um, no, but I mean, because I, I heard someone uh, talk about this. I think it was on making Star Wars. They were talking about spoilers uh-huh. on TV versus spoilers yeah. for movies. It's like, yeah, it's like I tell my students. If you want to read a, a book, you read the read the synopsis. It doesn't matter if you find out what happens and who dies, because what matters is mm. how it's told. It's only ever right. going to be new right. one time, and that one time isn't right. actually that special. So yeah, no, I, I I get that that argument. I guess for me it was more uh, the visual thing. Like I, I really once they started putting out TV spots, I just went like a crazy person and I would just yell at the TV and cover my ears. Uh, and I'm glad that I did. Cause I went back to watch some of those. And, Man, I'm so glad I didn't see this before I saw it on the big screen. So that's my biggest complaint. I mean, the spoilers of the story and all that, I, you know, I, I kind of could go either way. I, I enjoyed not really knowing what was going on, but I figured it was going to be very familiar. And in that sense, I mean, it, it did feel very familiar, especially the second time around. Like, okay. I, I see, I see what's going on, and you kind of knew it was going to be set up that way. But they still took a lot of. Uh, I thought the new cast was great. That was the biggest thing for me. Do I am I going to like the new cast? And I, I thought you know they all did great. Yeah, going back to the spoiler thing, actually, Brock, yeah. the same guy, he texted me like three days before the movie came out, saying, "Do you want to see a picture of Snoke?" <laughs> and uh, I had to say no. It was like too close. There was like a cutoff. Point. Yeah. Right. Right. But then he still said he looked awesome, so I'm still kind of pissed at him. Um, and and <laughs> and then he tried to work out a trade with me for like the next 50, 50 texts, um, which is essentially <laughs> the Brock right. experience. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, but, that's great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I, I think we'll, we'll get into more of our, of our thoughts on it um, sure, as we go sure. through it, because we'll talk about the risks that they took and the risks they didn't and criticisms that we have. I will say that right. the, the second time I saw the movie – was a 12 30 p.m. showing, so in the morning, and it was my mm-hmm. daughter's eighth birthday, and we had oh, to like nice. reserve twenty seats in the middle of a sold out movie theater, and it was just I ended up <laughs> sitting in the front row and everything, and, <laughs> and and for both of them in terms of that you know movie that you watch, like the first two yeah. times I watched it. So this is the thing I hate it when people talk about crying during a movie. Like mm-hmm. like this because I feel like it's because they don't go to therapy and they don't like properly deal with their emotions and so they would cry about something <laughs> as stupid as seeing the Millennium Falcon. Um, <laughs> that being said, I was so happy watching the movie that I had like it was weird. It was like I actually couldn't control myself for certain <laughs> portions of the movie because I was just so happy, you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, I, there's nothing for that. And and I would say that very few. I actually I can't think of any action or science fiction movie that's ever done that for me. I mean, comedies, yeah. uh, of course. You know, comedies will right. will have you feel that way, or horror movies. Um, sure. I saw a preview screening of Scream five months before it came out, 
and that was oh really yeah yeah it's, ah. it's actually a hilarious movie snob story but it was at the harvard film archive and i was going to go see werner herzog's nosferatu and instead oh, okay. all right and instead <laughs> they were like we're actually going to play for you instead the new west craven movie i'm like what i want to see werner herzog man i'm not into this whole commercial crap and then this totally cute girl came up and was like, if you don't like it, I'll give you your money back. It's like, okay. And dude, like that movie, like never having seen the mask, having no expectations was just, yeah, yeah. That was so much fun. But, but, but anyway, kind of, kind of getting back to it. So like, as far as the movie itself, the experience, I think no matter what happens with the third part, which is the movie you talk about. And that's the real question. You know, I don't, I don't know if, after 10 viewings, I'm going to say that it was good, but ultimately forgettable. I, I think that's possible. Mm. I don't think it's probable. That's yeah, possible. Um, but nothing will take away from the success that it had in those first two viewings. And that was yeah, yeah. really impressive. Yeah. No, so, I'm, I'm in agreement with you there. So let's get into the meat of the show, Steve. The top 10 right. vintage winners and losers after The Force Awakens. The top 10 winners and losers in the vintage Star Wars collecting hobby after the release of The Force Awakens. You ready, Steve? Yeah. All right. Let's hear it. Number 10 on vintage losers. Number 10 loser. Boba Fett. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I I told you to be polemic, Steve. Let me tell you why. Yeah, yeah. Let me tell you why. Now, this is a little bit facetious because, you know, a rising tide raises all ships or whatever. So I think that the vintage hobby in general is extremely stronger because of The Force Awakens. Therefore, Boba Fett will go up with that. And I don't think he's going to lose the cool Boba Fett factor. But maybe a, right. maybe a bit because there's so much stuff now that is cool in Star Wars again that – the need for the coolest possible thing maybe is lessened. Mm-hmm. And also I would say as sort of someone that's not in the movie, we don't really quite know the future uh, of this character. I would say that his importance is lessened. We'll see that a lot of the losers, but not all of the losers are characters that were not in the movie. So number 10 in vintage winners, Steve, number 10 winner. I'm going to say lightsaber accessories. Ooh, okay. So I think with all the emphasis on this lightsaber, on Luke's lightsaber, uh, yeah, yeah. I think how cool the fights were. I, I think that we're going to see a sort of uptick in people who want to get the vintage lightsaber stuff. What do you in terms of how the lightsabers were, you know, prominently featured as kind of this mystical thing? Whereas by the you know by the end of the prequels, you saw them so often, and it was just kind of I don't know, it didn't seem all that significant but then you know now you're in this new era of time where it's it's something so much more special i could see it um especially you know those <laughs> those you know floppy inflatable ones yes why not why not <laughs> like <laughs> bring those back uh, or mark mark enright's awesome uh malfunctioning lightsaber <laughs> well let's actually get into that steve so we're not going to talk All a right. bunch about stuff in the news but steve yeah. was yeah. featured and i posted this <laughs> on our facebook page and steve didn't even respond to it or like it <laughs> <laughs> but Steve was featured on CCTV, that's Chinese state television in America with Mark Enright. What was that, Steve? Yeah. 
So it, it was uh, really strange. Out of the blue, I just I got an email, um, which I wasn't even sure if it was a real person or not. I was a little hesitant because I guess it came through the, the California Club website, like email form saying, hey, like, who are you guys? Uh, are you like, where are you in the state? Like, would you guys want to get together and, and do uh, an interview for CCTV for Force Awakens? Like, oh, that's strange. So I said, you know, I asked a couple people around town and uh, if they would be up for it. And Mark Enron said, yeah, sure. I, you know, let, let me know. And so I tried to, sorry, did you talk to the sign here? Uh, tried to see if, if it would be possible. And then I didn't hear anything for a while. And then out of the blue, Last week, uh, I get an email saying, hey, can you meet tomorrow? We'd love to, to shoot something at Mark's place. And I go, okay. And so I went, and uh, it was <laughs> – it actually wasn't – the way it turned out, of course, the one thing I was hoping wouldn't be in there is what they <laughs> used for me, <laughs> uh, which is talking about BB-8. And, God, I just cringed immediately after saying that. And sure enough, that's what's in there. Yeah, um, Steve, I, I have to say the angle that they took was not the most flattering one. No. I, I, I <laughs> thought the, the way that she said, even these grown men still enjoy yeah. these toys. <laughs> like, we're going to get into this later, but there's a lot of kind of teasing of Star Wars collectors. Yeah, and, um, and this is the thing, like, the, the way that they interviewed us, so she was very, you know, nice and respectful, but, you know, she asked the, the prerequisite a question like what do you think about people that make fun of star wars fans or collectors or what do you think about this or that and uh i don't know i'm glad that they didn't really go into all that so much but right. uh i don't know i <laughs> but you, but steve you, you looked great mark looked great and at the end of it he was holding up a a lightsaber uh a, yeah. a light up lightsaber that didn't really work but yeah but kind of the, the way that i'm sort of constructing this list is i was thinking if i were at a convention and I saw right. a, a, a vintage lightsaber, would I be more interested in buying it now than I would mm -hmm. before? And I think the answer is before. yes. Okay. So yeah, that's fair. Which goes into my, my number nine vintage winner, Steve. We'll do it kind of okay. snake style. Number nine winner! Which I think All right. is pretty much anything related to do with the Millennium Falcon. Yeah. No, I... Uh... That's absolutely agree. Um, I I don't know. I I was pretty excited to, to see that ship come back, and I thought that they uh, they handled it gracefully. So I mean, I don't know. And there's so many different versions of the Falcon out just right now, just for this new movie. That I mean, uh, it's insane. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. The Falcon's always going to be something special, and now. You know, it, it, I don't know if you've noticed this, but it seems like in all the other like, kind of mainstream media things, talking with vintage toys, you always see the vintage Falcon sitting on the table with everything else. It's like a it's like a centerpiece almost. Right, and and I think I mean I think part part of that is because it's so recognizable. I still think that as far as collectors go, its size is always going to be a problem. The relative rarity sure. of a of a sealed version, right. but I would still say yeah. I bet we see an uptick in the Falcon. Now number nine is a loser that I don't want to be a loser, Steve. Number nine, Lahu Zahur. But I think you don't want it to be a loser. I don't okay. think so. I want you want Boba Fett to be a loser, but you don't want the Ewoks to be a loser, Steve. But I think <laughs> every single Ewok is a loser in the in the new and the new continuity, Steve. Because yeah. cause their whole oh, victory, everything that they helped to do, essentially led to nothing. You led know, to nothing. 
basically. Yeah. We still have the Empire, yeah. all that stuff. And, yeah. and you know, J.J. was really flippant when he talked about, oh, I don't – there's not going to be any Ewoks in this movie. And, and Warwick oh, Davis really? – Yeah, I guess I missed that. Yeah. He was uh, kind of dismissive towards them. He was, kind of like he was with Jar Jar. And, and Warwick, yeah. Warwick Davis was in the movie, but he wasn't an Ewok. And a lot of other rebel heroes <laughs> come back, but not the Ewoks. So I, yeah. I, I think the Ewoks are being, are being marginalized as sort of being the, the closest thing to the prequels. Yeah. <laughs> Did you uh, read the column from, from Mookie, the Ewok? I think he summed it up pretty well in terms of <laughs> where the Ewoks stand in, in the new in the new film. Well, I, I wanted to introduce that so you could explain what that means, Steve. Okay. Okay. You see, see the All way right. I made this, the, the, the whole list, Steve, is we'd be able to bring in and like nuance the argument. I'm not just going to read it okay. and, and be like uh, Job listing off all of the great things about his development. I need more. There were 34 proposals in there. You'd be amazed how fast they come out when you read them all in a row. 31, bamboo floor upgrades, cheaper, stronger. I can't read this word. 32, wireless crappability. That one explains itself. 33. Joe, that was six months worth of work. You can't just blurt them all out at once. Mr. Bluth? He's coming. I've got to go. Number nine. Free <laughs> Wi-Fi. Number eight. Okay. So, yes. So, what? what is Mookie? So, uh, Ron kind of... Uh, made contact with Mookie B. Walk, who was that little plush thing that was released uh, back in the E3 for the Jedi. And uh, he kind of wrote a tell-all column for the archive describing uh, his plight as an underrepresented and, and forgotten creature. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, I don't know. I mean, it's it's something that if you're on the archive, don't don't skip over it. I think it kind of got lost in all the movie craze because he wanted to put it out like right before the movie came out and then sure enough that's that's what everyone else was talking about so right <laughs> yeah it, it's uh, it pretty much ties into exactly what you're talking about with the Ewoks kind of getting the shaft <laughs> right so basically it's it's Ron's just amazing writing uh, <laughs> yeah just go and check out a Mookie Christmas and it does it does tie into this yeah, that's not the last we've heard from Mookie. <laughs> no, I, I don't think it is. Uh, and so I would say number eight for Vintage Losers, and I'm going to have sort of like uh, kind of like things that are paired, you know? Okay. So, yeah. Number eight, Loser. Yeah. You know what? I think I'm going to actually, you know, I think Jabba's, Jabba's aliens are losers. Mm -hmm. But I think the Cantina aliens would be winners. I did have them together, but again, oh, okay. I, I think a lot of Return of the Jedi is going to be kind of minimized because I think the nostalgia that's being played at is the nostalgia for four and five, and not for six. Uh, yeah, I'd say that's that's a, a fair assessment. Um, you know, I, I guess yeah, no, none of the old uh, Jabba guys made it into the, the castle, right? Right. And I didn't see any. No, okay. they didn't. I mean, I mean, none of the Star Wars guys did either. No, no. Um, but it did seem like it was a pretty. It, it is a very conscious decision that they made, and it's funny that they didn't. But that's actually talking sort of about our review. Um, I watched it again a third time last night in IMAX 3D. Um, Ooh, okay. And, and that was you know, very cool. You know, like I said, story before spectacle and then spectacle. Yeah. yeah. And what I found right. myself loving the third time, because the third time I didn't have, I wasn't almost in tears. I wasn't in absolute ecstasy. 
Um, hysteria. Yeah. It, it was a ten twenty five showing, and there was a lot of dudes in there. It was. <laughs> it's because the first two showings, I'm like, it is one third women, one third men, one third children. You know. Children. And yeah. I was yeah. Like, this is amazing, but then this was like, oh, okay. Here we go. This is a lot of like two hundred pound a... guys in New York Yankees hats. Uh, this is <laughs> this is what I was expecting. Um, but what I ended up loving the most the third time was the castle sequence. Yeah, and yeah. the reason why is that you know the the biggest criticism of the movie is that it's too derivative. Right. And right. I think that's a fair. I think that's a fair thing to say in one way. Yeah. But then other ways, right. it did take a lot of risks. And mm-hmm. I think one of them is it did a cantina style scene, so you go, okay, this is a rip off of the cantina. But yeah. but he did it so willfully, in which you never have a time to relax with any of the aliens at all. Like, That's true, with the exception yeah. of the big fat guy with the hot the, chick the dude, in the in the right in the, right. the Harley outfit. Quinn looking alien right. or girl, yeah, right. With the exception of them, you don't have time to rest with any of them. I mean. Even even the weird dude, uh, even the weird devil guy, gets twice as much screen time as like there's like a group of mosquitoes playing cards. I think. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So it's not like J, you know JJ made most of these things, right? Most of them aren't effects, and it right. was just right. kind of this decision, I think, to have instead of it be like, wow, look at all these crazy things. Right before mm-hmm. you go in, he says, "Don't stare at anything," and then you walk yeah, in. No, that's- Mm-hmm. And you can't stare at anything. And then, what is right. the entire sequence about, Steve? It's about the you know the three principal characters. It's, it's about all, the eyes. Yeah. I've seen your eyes in a million different places, and I can look right, into your right. eyes. And everything's about what you're supposed to look at. So, right. Anyways, before I get into grad school, talk about the gaze. Um, okay, Sky here. I just have to interject here because I actually saw it uh, a fourth time last night after recording, but before finishing editing. And one more thing about that whole scene is it's the perfect mirror of the cantina. In the cantina, you have the old wizard taking the innocent people and having that threshold moment where they see how big the universe is and all these aliens. It's the wizard taking the innocent to meet the outlaw. In this new movie, it's the outlaw taking the innocent to meet the wizard. It's like this totally different thing. And I totally get that everyone says, okay, it's, it's just trying to be the cantina. But really it's not. It really is doing what Lucas says he wants to do, which is, or what he wanted to do, which is create these kind of themes and these notes that come back in a song, but it's not quite the same melody. So anyway, I think the more I think about that, that Maz Kanata scene, the cooler and deeper it becomes. Uh, yeah, that character's great. Okay, back to Steve. Sorry, I can't, I can't help myself. Nerd alert! Oh boy! <laughs> I'm just, you know, I would just say that that was a, a a brave decision because it came across as both derivative and original at the same time. Um, yeah, basically, I, I'd agree. Means it lands in a nowheresville, and I cannot find yeah. that stupid song anywhere that's playing in the back. You know, hey, so I, I don't know if you, you're are you familiar with the guy who wrote that musical Hamilton? No, um, just that. That he's so hot right now. That's all I know. He, yeah, that's true. But um, yeah, and no, it's it's just funny because I mean Tesla's completely obsessed with that. I mean, she's a big musical fan. So that's all I've been hearing. Like when we're driving to work, is just Hamilton uh, back and forth. So when she found <laughs> out that he was writing the Cantina music, she just got super excited. And I don't know. I, he, it's true. You can't find it anywhere. Um, 
I'm wondering if they'll eventually put it out at some point. You know, Steve, I don't think they will because it's it's like they don't they don't want to make money. You know, it's one thing I've noticed <laughs> about them being brave. They don't want to over merchandise. No, that'd be too far. Yeah, <laughs> I just have you ever gone into a store and looked around and been like, why is there nothing Star Wars here? You know, like you go into TCBY and you're just like, why is this yogurt not a lightsaber? You know, it's just, <laughs> every single store should have a Star Wars section from now on. <laughs> okay, so, so I would say Jabba's right. aliens are losers. The number eight yeah. is another tie for vintage items. Number eight, winner! I'm going to okay. say Han Hoth and Luke X-Wing are tied at ah, number eight. Okay. All right. Now, why am I saying that, Steve? I'm saying that, first of all, because the, the, the whole there's a whole subtext. Okay, first of all, if you watch the movie again, part of what makes it good and bad is that J.J. is not suffering from Peter Jacksonitis. So, no, so, no, absolutely not. So Peter Jackson's like, everyone wants to see my movie. Everyone wants to see it. So if I show them seven and a half hours, they're going to want to watch it. Right? Whoa, that's a transition. And that's how they talk in New Zealand. I just, yeah, I just yeah. in case you didn't know. Okay. I know it may yeah. sound like I was doing a Forrest Gump impersonation, but I wasn't. Um, <laughs> so like the whole idea of it being like, of course, we're a captive audience and we want to see as much as possible. But he was ruthless. And if you've been following, Very if you've been watching the spoilers and everything, there was a whole storyline about that snowspeeder that Ray and Finn took. And if you pay attention, at one point, Ray's wearing his jacket. At one point, Finn's wearing the jacket. At one point, then it goes yeah. back and forth and back and forth. And it's, right, right. It's a whole storyline that was just dropped. And there's just a hint of okay. it. But, you know, if you're paying attention, then that's good. If, if And you can imagine, you can fill in the backstory of them getting on the speeder and then saying, you know, you look cold and, why are you always trying to help yeah. me? Um. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I noticed that there seemed to be a little bit of a, a gap there. Not, at least the first time I felt like, wait a minute, I, I missed something. Um, so, yeah, okay. But it's, it's not that it, you know, doesn't flow the way it is. It's just I noticed that I felt like there was some piece there that was that wasn't there. Right, and, and, okay. and if, if you are such a dork that you get the novelization... Um, that fills in a lot of a lot of gaps too, because like there's a whole story about how Poe gets off, gets out of the Tie Fighter, yeah. and gets back. It's like an entire like twenty page thing all about like this traitor who finds him and he lies his way out of it. It's great, it's charming, and it was totally superfluous. So cut it, you know. I'm just glad that they they were ruthless. I mean, it's it had the same kind of ruthlessness that like Raiders of the Lost Ark had almost, where it's just one thing after another, but it doesn't. It doesn't give you time to kind of catch your breath, but you don't you don't necessarily need to. And I'm, you know, by the time that third Hobbit movie was over, I was just ready to just die. Um, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh man. So I'm yeah, very very glad that they decided to be to be brisk. Yeah, like when they say that they could have turned the Hobbit movies from three into one, I would say go one further. <laughs> just, <laughs> just three into none. Oh my god. Um, but anyway, there's a whole thing where. Uh, where so there's that jacket story, and then there's this really sweet yeah. moment where Chewbacca picks up Han's jacket off the floor yes. and gives it right. to him. Right, no, I noticed that. And, and yeah. So there is this sort of thing, and I think the jacket does change from blue to brown at one point. I think there's, I think that's actually an Easter egg, but I'm not positive about that. 
I'll have to look for that next time. Yeah. But I would say that, again, if you are collecting and you love the new movies, that's going to be hotter. And same thing with Luke X-Wing, just because you know you need an X-Wing pilot. Um, I, I think that the whole X-Wing pilot thing, I would even include the X-Wing vehicle itself, is in there. Which, Steve, leads to our next vintage loser. <laughs> Number seven. Loser! There's anything that is not an X-Wing pilot, which means, which means the A-Wing pilot, the A-Wing ship, the Y-Wing, uh-huh. the B-Wing yep. vehicle, and Steve, I hate to tell you, the B-Wing pilot came out as the least of a loser. You know what? I'm going to put – I'm going to say he's the least of the loser because the, the – oh, actually, no. No. Yeah, it's the biggest loser of all three of them. Um, yeah. Right, just because they just cut out all other ships. X-Wings are all that matter, and and I, I can't imagine them going back. X-Wings just seem so cool and so exciting, and the rest of them just aren't there. Is there any other kind of wing even in the movie, Steve? I don't think. Not that I saw. I mean, I was looking around, too, trying to see if there'd be some parts, like in that airfield and stuff. I, I only saw X-Wings, and then Leia's, whatever that you know thing was. Uh, but yeah, I think... Yeah, I don't know. It's it's true. I mean, it's not like the B-Wing or the B-Wing pilot could be any more of a loser. I think we've kind of hit rock bottom, so that's <laughs> I'm not I wasn't too, you know, bummed out, I guess. You kind of you kind of expect it. Right. Well, you know, you know what I'll do, Steve. I I'm going to I'm going to make um the B-Wing pilot the uh the the sixth biggest loser and the rest of them okay. the, the seventh biggest loser, okay? Okay. So, All right. Fair enough. Well, I mean, the other way around, <laughs> so that it's not the biggest loser. Number six, loser. Because okay. the B-wing kind of looks like an X-wing. And Steve, you were able to feature your childhood B-wing pilot in the that, CCTV, yeah. which was the it's, coolest it's, thing out of all the television stuff that's been done. That was the coolest. Yeah, I, it's funny. Uh, I I went back home to try and she said you know, they asked if I could bring some additional stuff. I'm like, okay, I'll I'll, I'll make a run back home and try and grab some things and uh i was looking like you know what i I don't think i don't know the fact that this completely thrashed x-wing and b-wing pilot figure still exists like they have why not and they totally loved it like they were they were like oh my god this is you know incredible this thing is still surviving it's so fragile like i'm never going to move it again like after i moved it to this like the tape is about to just disintegrate. So now, now that it's had its moment, I'm, I don't know. Right. So, so you I, got I'm to a, have a, the original B-Wing pilot that was supposed to be Luke, Luke Skywalker, fans of the yeah. show back from episode number one of the Kivecast. Remember Steve telling the story about why he collects B-Wing pilots because he didn't have a Luke X-Wing and the X-Wing that he had featured there. So I think that makes up for the fact that they were kind of rude and condescending. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I, I was thinking about so trying to bring, so you know they're going to bait you with, like, what's the most valuable? I'm going to bring the most, the least monetary value item I have and uh, and see how they react to that. I mean, yeah, I'm, it was fun. I, I'm glad that that, that was uh, on there. I'm I'll always laugh when I see that. Like, it's on their on their website and everything. It's just ridiculous. But yeah, it, it's <laughs> very awesome. satisfying. Well, it's funny because my, my episode of uh, On the Go 90 thing came out as well. And yeah, yeah. I, I finally got a chance to see that. There's a whole other story behind right. that where 
So if you can't tell, you know, I'm kind of emotionally invested in the in the success of this project, Steve. Um, my, <laughs> yeah, my, maybe a little bit, right? My, my whole haircut by Peter Mayhew thing, it didn't work as well as I would have liked to. It didn't raise as much money for charity as I would have liked to. So I, I felt kind of down about that. And then there's this documentary, and I thought, this is finally going to be it. And then it's only on this app. But then it comes out, and I'm really excited because it's on the front page of this app. It's in What's Hot This Week. It's in Chewy We're Home, which is their Star Wars section. And then it's the first thing at something called Nerd Alert. And so I'm all excited. Here I am. I'm featured. This thing's finally coming out. It's going to be the best it possibly can be. And the video's broken. It only goes for one minute. <laughs> yeah. So I, oh, I emailed my heart, them. My heart sank for you at that point. I'm like, what's happening here? <laughs> I, I email them and they say, oh, uh, we'll look into it. Then they take it down. But then they don't mm -hmm. put it back up. The next day, right. I contact Connell, who was on the last episode. He even had yeah. Morgan Spurlock himself calling this website getting them to put it up. So that's the mm -hmm. kind of upside is that I have, you know, one of the most powerful documentary filmmakers uh, in the country fighting on my behalf. And uh, it's been up there and it's gotten some response. So anyways, it's out. Yeah, no, it's, it's out. Great, it's man. fun. But it, it, I, just, I seriously, I felt like Charlie Brown. It was just like, <laughs> my, I, I get that pride comes before the fall and I'm too proud and that's why this thing is not working the way I want it to. But does it have to keep <laughs> making me fall like every single time? Uh, no, it's it's all it's there. It's it's for for everyone to see, and it turned out great. And I can only imagine, yeah, the. Uh, well, the no, Steve, it's not for everyone to see. Like Grant, oh well, uh, for Go Nineties, like Go Nineties. Well, yes, if you can people. get Go Ninety, like if you're Grant and you are in the in the documentary and you don't know about it, you can't watch it because you're in the UK. So. If you live in the United uh, States and you download the app, then you can watch it. So, okay. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so Steve, I just I just took you know so so far of our list for losers we have Boba Fett, Ewoks, Jabba's aliens, A wing mm -hmm. pilot, uh, A wing ship, Y wing, and B wing ship. Number seven <laughs> loser is the B wing pilot, and number six, Steve, <laughs> I'm actually going to go for myself. Number six. Loser. I'm going to say the bandolier <laughs> strap is the number six loser. <laughs> How so? Because it makes you realize that they never released a really good vintage bowcaster. Uh, this movie okay. could have been called Episode 7, The Bowcaster is Awesome. There was so much emphasis with Han being like, this is a great weapon. This is super great. Right. I love this, Chewie. Yeah. I could get used to this thing. Yeah. Why didn't they make a stupid bowcaster in the vintage era? Why didn't even – I mean, I don't know. I mean, the cost – You know, I've already talked about this, right. but on the card back, they actually uh, – in the vintage card back, they, they airbrush out the crossbar that makes it a crossbow. Right. So that right, it looks right. more like the laser rifle that the toy is sold with because it costs less money yeah. to make than a, than a two-piece uh, bowcaster, which I'm sure a kid would have swallowed. <laughs> but there's just this frustration. Just like why couldn't they have made a vintage bowcaster? And so <laughs> I would say the bandolier strap is a loser because of that. And also it's just always a loser. Yes. See, what I want to see is like a – I don't know. Maybe this will happen someday, but like a – a Chewbacca roleplay kit where he has like a band-aid uh, and then, you know, the bowcaster. Right. <laughs> his, his, uh, his bag. That would be awesome. You got 
they really that scene with the old woman. I don't know why. Hey, Steve, we're, we're going to get to that boy. Don't don't you right. don't you hurry up right. me on my chewy. I'll wait. All right. I gave you your moment with the B-wing pilot because he didn't have one. Yeah. But don't hurry me up on this chewy. <laughs> um, All right. But I, I will say kind of one other thing too about 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 the movie itself and kind of thoughts. I don't know if it's a generational thing, Steve, with you know people like you, people nineteen and younger. Um, but I don't know if positivity has to be a part of it. Like I couldn't quite tell because there are so many scenes of people saying that something is great. Like Ray and Finn had to say, "I did it. I'm great. Right. I can right. do it." Did you see me? I did see you. You are validated. I am validated. We are good together. <laughs> and then like Finn watching Poe, that is a good pilot. Like there's so much. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's a generational thing or if it was just a, I mean, it made me feel good when they said it. So maybe it's just good yeah. filmmaking. Just like, well, maybe if the you did I, this, you'd be happy. Yeah. I mean, the way I kind of looked at that, I was thinking more from like the eyes of like a, like a seven or eight year old kid, maybe. Because right. um, when you when they watch the prequels, I don't know what they can get out of it, but it seems like, and this is, you know, in Star Wars to a degree, but not, not to the overstated way it is in, in this new movie, but just that kind of, yeah, positive reinforcement thing. It's like those, uh, I don't know if you see those often out there, but those PSAs are like the kids playing baseball and he, he's like trying to, uh, you know, pitch the ball to himself and he misses three times. He's, I'm the greatest batter in the world. And he misses and he says, I'm the greatest pitcher in the world. <laughs> it's like that kind of tone to it almost where, I'll admit, the first time I saw it, I'm like, oh my god, I'm like getting like hit over the head with this with this praise for each other. But uh, I don't know. I, I think I, I think it, in terms of children, I think it's I think it's a good thing. Yeah, and I, I I don't know. It was just kind of a funny thing how many times they were like, "This is oh, yeah. wonderful. I enjoy this very right. much." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so now it's been a little while since we've talked about the winners, Steve. So let's, yeah, let's, let's get do, back on the winning track. Let's get back on the winner track. So we last left off. So we had 10 lightsaber accessories, nine, the Falcon, eight, Han Hoth and Luke Micro, and seven. Number seven. Winner! Micro. And seven, Steve, I would say are Akbar and Yen Nub. Yes. <laughs> I, I would say they're equally positive. It, it was hard to put them that high up. Actually, because they're so barely there, but they they, right. they are so they are there at all, which I think puts them on the list. What do you think? I mean, they they have speaking. Well, I don't know what you want to call uh, numb, but yeah, you know, they have speaking roles, I guess. Yes, yeah. his his uh, his his labia did open, and he did speak. Um, <laughs> labia is a word for lips, Steve. I don't know what you're thinking about. That's just the scientific <laughs> word for lips. So his labia right. opened and closed and, and sounds came out of them. That's how Nyan Nub yeah. speaks. Right. I don't know what you're laughing about. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes, so he was, you know, a, a, a labia wearing helmet and going, hadubba, dubba, dubba. Um, and Akbar looked weird. <laughs> and uh, I kind of I liked that Akbar's voice sounded like he, he had aged a bit. I don't know if you, you picked up on that. I mean, it, sound, it did sound like an older, a little more weary Akbar. Right. And this is another yeah. chance where they really, they really, you, there's so many points of restraint. Okay, there's a lot of points where they didn't show restraint. But you put Akbar mm -hmm. up there and you don't have him say the four letter word trap. Mm -hmm. You are just, mm -hmm. the audience is just sitting there waiting for him to say, what if it's a trap? And he doesn't say it. 
and it just passes. And to me, that's the strength of the movie. Okay, so exactly. showing showing the remote ball is is kind of dumb, and the hollow chest, uh, yeah, is kind of right. dumb. But there are so many times, and if you watch it, just pay attention to how many times you could have put a reference to the original trilogy. Oh, totally. In. Yeah, yeah. No, I. Maybe in the next one, uh, we'll, we'll see Akbar on the bridge of the ship again. That's, that's my big wish, um, hopefully. But yeah, no, it's, it's funny. Uh, back uh, several months ago, uh, Phidias made kind of a funny comment. Like, is that why you and Brock are collecting Admiral Akbar and, and Nine Numb? Because you know they're going to be in the new movie? I'm like, I, I've had Akbar stuff for six, ten years. It's, I didn't see the future. I just thought it was such a funny comment. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, Steve, you know where all the money is, the B-Wing pilot. Oh, yeah. Old, old Akbar. <laughs> all right, now, I had a hard time with five and six for the winners because mostly finding winners was easy. Finding losers was actually kind of hard, Steve. I've got to say. Because, yeah. um, again, this whole thing, it is just ridiculous how healthy this makes our hobby. But we're getting to that. I would say that the number six winner... Number six winner is the Stormtrooper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just just in general, just a Stormtrooper who, you know, the fact that they're continuing on, the fact that we're starting to get the idea of who they are. And, you know, I think that the, the Clone Trooper actually really helped Stormtrooper collecting um, because yeah. – because kids love clone troopers and they understand mm-hmm. the connection between clone troopers. Like, like the clone troopers are sort of the coolest thing about the prequels. The stormtroopers are kind of the coolest things about the original trilogy. And I think you could say yeah. they're also kind of the coolest thing about this. I mean, from a certain, from a certain point of view, but from like a kid's mm-hmm. point of view, stormtroopers are just yeah. so awesome. And, yeah. the, and yeah. you know, Phasma's awesome. I know she was underused, but I knew she'd be underused because I follow spoilers. So that wasn't a big deal for uh, me. Okay. And the fact yeah. that, that Finn was so cool and like you got to see them like coming out of their troop transports and it was so exciting and you know that the, all the helmets are real and all that. Um, yeah, yeah. So I would say that, that they are getting a kind of bump from this movie. Do, do you agree? I I totally agree. Um, and I, I don't know. I, this is, is going to sound, come off as just, but I, I really, I did not like that every single one in those movies wasn't, at least, there wasn't any real people in suits, right? It, it, and they seemed to kind of take pride on that. And I, I don't know. I I get it for when you're trying to, you know, show scale and this and that. I, I don't fault them for that. But when you have, like, guys standing right next to Ewan McGregor and he's just talking to Tamara Morrison in, a, like, a leotard when he could just be wearing a... A suit? I just don't. I just couldn't understand that. So I, well, Steve, I like. I, I, I usually don't let you. There. I don't usually let you prequel bash, but I will agree with you on this. Okay. On this one way, George Lucas's right. decision not to include people in clone trooper suits was also really short sighted, because it's like, oh, did it cost a lot of money to make those suits? Do you guys? You could sell each one of them for eight grand and. And you know whatever, there's no right. amount that that you couldn't sell those for if you actually made them. I mean, part yeah, part no, of me I, thought that JJ should have made clone trooper suits for every single one that was out there because you could just sell them and get your money back, you know. <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, yeah, I love seeing dudes in suits. 
you know, yeah. and, and I don't know. It's, it's, it was very refreshing. Yeah, as far as the whole practical effects thing, I'm I'm not that moved. I just care that it looks good, and I thought the movie looked great. So, right. However, exactly. however they did yeah. it, I I would say there were, there wasn't one scene where I thought that doesn't look good, and that's that's okay. Which one? No, there wasn't one scene. Oh, there wasn't. Okay. I mean, maybe the 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 raptors or whatever. Um, oh, yeah. Those things were a little bit goofy, but they didn't look fake. A little goofy. They just right. I didn't really like their design that much. Um, no, I mean, there's, I, yeah, there wasn't anything or any moment where I was completely taken out of what I was watching. Um, oh, hey, I'm like, Steve, here's, here's a vintage dorky thing. No, I haven't right. heard anyone mention this about that scene. So the, 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 the scene, monster with, scene, yeah, with the two pirates and, and Han. Yeah. But they totally hired a Scottish guy to right. imitate the fat dude who was Jabba the Hutt. Before the special oh, editions and in the and hey, the, and the right. excise scenes, don't you think? Yeah, I can see that. I kind of forgot about him. Yeah, right. I think it was like De- oh, yeah. it was like Declan Mulholland or something. That. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That's funny because he's like solo, solo. Uh, right, right. And uh, go to get the eggs, <laughs> you know. And and that's how this guy was too. So anyway, that's just yeah. an idea yeah, I had of. Call of a really subtle callback that isn't even, that's not a call. That's not even fan service. That's just like, I could imagine him thinking, well, how should this guy sound? Well, it'd be cool if he sounded like the original guy that was cut out of the first movie and only people right. will get it. Or people who watched the outtakes of the first movie, with yeah. The, the, yeah. the fat guy in a fluffy suit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Steve, it's fun talking about this movie. That's the other thing too. I just, I can't get enough talking about it. You know? And it's it's you know positive talk. I was in you know various states of depression after the last Star Wars. <laughs> so good to actually feel good talking about it. And not that I don't have problems, but it, it's different. I, I'll say that. Well, that's I mean that is something to, to think about is the, the, is the negativity. It's weird. It's it's kind of like right now in Rochester, there hasn't been any major snowfall. Um, no. And it's really weird. My theory is that um, that God was so harsh at the beginning of the calendar year that he's just taking it easy. And then January 1st, we're just going to get just dumped on, but that he's sort of like understanding, Hey, you know, I had it snowing really bad there until like April. So I'm just going to take it easy on you and let you, let you enjoy December. But anyway, so like you kind of get the sense that the, you know, storms coming any, you know, you know that the, that the snow is coming. And part of me feels like at some point I'm going to be angry at this movie but I don't know how angry I'm going to get because I already know what I don't like about it. I already know the parts I think are derivative. I already know the scenes that are weaker than the other ones. But it it somehow doesn't bother me. Mm-hmm. Because um, yeah. yeah. so it'll be interesting. See, so we'll have to we'll have to bookmark this and look back at it just like we look back at our first episode seven episode. Oh yeah. <laughs> in which we we were we gave our wish list for who we wanted in the movie. I'd like to remind uh, you these are the characters we said we wanted in the movie. Yeah. Captain Panaka, Lumpy, nope. Dianoga, Kia Mall, Mace Windu, and Yen Nub. Uh we got we got one of them, I guess, right? Yes. We got one of them. <laughs> I, I watched the holiday special with my kids this week leading up to it, and oh my god, we had to fast forward it. I can't do it, man. I, I I have tried, and 
in, in doses I can survive it, but to try, I tried it with my family last Christmas, and we could not make it through. I we will, just... I will say though, the masturb the masturbation scene with Itchy is oh. fascinating. It is fascinating oh, because it is a hundred percent a scene of an old man masturbating to pornography. That there is yeah, nothing about I... that scene in which that there's no possible way of looking at that scene without seeing it as that. And I love it. Nope. That that's that's just out there. And people laugh about how bad it is in other ways. How about that? How about that someone made the decision that he's going to sit there and he's like, ooh, I like the way you touch me. I wish you touched me more. Uh, <laughs> and dude, this guy's creepy looking to begin with. Right? Yeah. <laughs> no, no way. Yeah, it's like, we know why we call him itchy because there's some things that just can't help but be scratched. Okay. So, uh, and then... Uh, Leading, uh, finishing up the top five. This is going to be kind of controversial, Steve. Oh, okay. I'm going to put two figures. I'm going to put two things together that I think you would probably anticipate higher up in the list. I'm as going to say or, or losers? as winners. Winners. Okay. Say the number fifth winner is number five. Winner Han and Leia. So you may think, I would say, Han is a much bigger winner because he has this awesome death, right? Right, right. And I think in the short term, that will be. And you might think Leia's kind of a loser because I don't think that that did very much for her character. At least, it did, it, I mean, she was fine, but I, it didn't, I, it didn't yeah. make me think, wow, this is a great addition. And i got to be careful because – because Bruce White, the psycho killer, is going to track me down and kill me. But I get the sense that this movie was setting up something better for Leia in the future. That's that's what I kind of after the first time I saw, like, man, where was she? You know, and then the second time you realize, I hope that's the case. That that's the you know from here on it's it's the same with with Luke. I'm sure we'll talk about, but it, it's just you want you want it to be set up for something more, um, and I, I hope that's the case. Right, so that's kind of the way I'm thinking of it is Han gets a big boost for the cool factor of dying, but then mm -hmm. it also means that that's gone. That cool factor is gone. Right. And then Leia right. isn't that cool, but she's continuing on. So that's why I think it'll sort of even itself out. And also, mm -hmm. you know, as a divorced guy, I love both of them way more. Because I, I love it. I love that they didn't get back together. I love that they didn't kiss. I love that it shows that love can, can be born and can exist and can produce things. And, and then you just deal with it like it was like adult life. It's awesome. Right, right. Yeah. I was so afraid of a uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull fiasco. Dude, I was, you know, I, I, they, they kind of skirted it a little bit at times. But I thought that they... They completely avoided that disaster, and I, I thought, for what it was, yeah, I totally agree with you. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, really, again, talking about risks and everything, just the whole idea of presenting them in that way, in that relationship, mm -hmm. in the way that they were, uh, it, it was great. I think it was really human. I, I think there's no way to think of it as being anything other than Lawrence Kasdan being a good writer, because yeah, all their interactions were super strong, you know, like... 
even the one that made reference to the Death Star, it helped that I watched it next to my son because he just broke out in laughter so hard. Like, that was my least favorite line in the movie was, you know, uh, when is thinking ever done anything good for you? Uh, and yeah. don't say the Death Star. I thought that's so stupid. After the movie, my son's like, <laughs> remember when he said, what about the Death Star? Ah, that was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay. See, that, that eases it a little bit for me, too, because that, that was one thing that, that definitely irked me. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. So that's, Thanks for, that's for helping me feel better. That's why I put Han and Leia together at, at number five. Definite winners. All right. And I would say that sort of one is a, a, a winner looking forward, one is a winner looking back. Um, but mm-hmm. I would say in the short term, definitely Han is the biggest winner of this whole movie. But I don't, I don't think yeah. that will play out. Back to losers. Okay. Uh, all the losers are now in pairs, just so you know. Okay. So that's how we're going with losers. The number four loser. Number four. Loser, 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 loser. Yoda and Lando. Oh. Yeah. I know it's rough to say that about Yoda, but Yoda's, the lack of Yoda's presence moves him from being this insanely integral character who's 100% important all the way through Mm -hmm. to just being one of the short wise things there's something about Mm. it that's just really it really finalizes yoda's place to me it really finalizes yoda's place in in the series so yeah yoda's absence was you know clearly felt by me when i was watching it but then i kind of thought and i wonder with the jedi and this whole thing kind of being pushed to the the background and as this mythical thing, like, will they eventually kind of like in star Wars? I mean, Yoda obviously wasn't integral to that movie, but he comes in, in the second part as being so critical. And I wonder now with Luke kind of being out there in the nether, whatever, it's something they, they have to do something with Yoda that you can't, I wouldn't say it's final that he's, he's, you know, out, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe just, in this movie particularly, yeah, he, he's uh, he's kind of suffering. And and again, I'm not saying that Yoda's not going to be one of the top five Featured. most popular characters. In the top yeah. two yeah. Star Wars characters of all time, I still think so. I'm just thinking again yeah. about the impact that it has. And as far as Lando goes, the, oh, man. the, the tokenism of Lando is made way more clear when you have yeah. a, a movie that, that – could have suffered from tokenism and seemed like it was just a big politically correct thing, but it just wasn't. And I didn't miss him at all. I thought that the 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 sketchy, honestly, Maz Kanata was like if Lando and Yoda had a baby in a way, you know, kind of like this criminal oh, element yeah. who's kind of cool, right. and Kind of weird, and I, that's that's a good way to think about it. Yeah, you're you're totally right. And, and I don't see any yeah. reason for him to come back unless it's like I, yeah. a friend of Maz's, but. It, again, it just, just seems really with Han final. Solo being out of the picture. I just I don't see like the I don't know like that that whole relationship just kind of crumbles for me. It goes back to that weird kind of like a limbo state of Empire Strikes Back where you have Lando and, and Chewie in the, in the cockpit. And it doesn't quite feel right. Right. <laughs> you know, it's, I don't know. I, I think it wouldn't. It's tough, but you're 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 right. It's gonna be tough for for Lando. So I told you I'm annoying everybody, Steve. You're just yeah, <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I would say the number four winner, number four, winner, 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 winner. 
hate to say this, but I think the number four winner has to be Vader. Even though he wasn't in it, it was just a stupid burned up helmet. Um, his presence is so large. Like his presence is there in the way that Yoda's is not. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think his role is going to be crucial. I think that the fact that, I mean, this is what they did that was so smart to make a movie in which the main bad guy is a wannabe of the most successful bad guy of all time. Mm-hmm. It just yeah. works. You're just like, okay, well, that makes sense. And it doesn't have to be that different. So so that's why I would say that, that at this really continues to help Vader. I mean, it's hard to help Vader more. He's already uh, the number yeah. one character. But I, right. I, I would say that it definitely helped as opposed to slightly hurt. Yeah, I mean, to have your, yeah, like you said, your your villain kind of aspiring to be that and, and quickly have trouble <laughs> replicating that that success. Yeah, right. that's, that's interesting. And it was funny because I was uh, talking with Bill McBride and uh, yeah. and he was saying that Kylo is, is no Vader because he doesn't succeed in the movie, you know, he doesn't. He doesn't really have any success. The whole thing blows up. He has little tantrums. It made me realize yeah. Vader really isn't that successful in episode four. <laughs> he shows up after the battle is over, right? He can't get the information out of a teenage girl either, right? Neither Kylo nor <laughs> Vader could do that. He can't uh-huh. even shoot the main X-Wing unless it's targeted. Like the greatest pilot in the history of the galaxy can't shoot X-Wing. <laughs> he ends up in the spin cycle flying into space – He's held on a leash by an old dude. Like, I think that's part of Vader's oh. legacy is that he's so cool that he can be lame. <laughs> oh, good luck with that. Asteroids do not concern me, Admiral. I want that shit, not excuses. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, but, but that's the thing, and that, and that is sort of going back to what makes it such a strong movie. I love the decision that, okay, so what? how is this movie brave and in what ways is it retread? Well, you have to have a whiny character. But what they realized yeah. was if you make the cool-looking bad guy whiny, then it makes it a lot more palatable for fanboys. Because if Luke Skywalker came out now – the internet would be a wash with like he's too he's too whiny. I can't relate to him. Poshy station yeah. is stupid. All that stuff. But having right. it in a villain right. is such a nice twist, and it, it really does make him the perfect Anakin and Vader at the same time. And that's like yeah. there's he, so few references <laughs> to the prequels, but that's one. Like he is Anakin. I is think Anakin-ish. it is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I, I could not help but but get the. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite <laughs> vision out of my head. Just I don't know. It was perfect. Uh, you're you're welcome. <laughs> so that was the number four winner, uh, and let's get to the number three loser, Steve. Number three. All right. This is another pair. The Emperor <laughs> and Obi Wan Kenobi. Ooh, okay. Again, it's this concept that there's some character – like if you can choose to be in two trilogies, the ones you want to be featured in 
are the ones that are happening now in the original trilogy. Yeah. And so with characters like the Emperor and Obi-Wan, they are so terminal in those first two trilogies that, again, mm-hmm. I, I think it does, you know, I mean, you know me, I have this theory that the Emperor, that in 10 years, the Emperor is going to be worth as much as most vintage figures. Like, that's just one of my <laughs> thoughts that it's, he's going to be up there, right? Like, right now, he's like considered like Klaatu. But I think, I think in, I, would, I wouldn't say that bad. Pretty close, pretty close. Yeah. But I think that when the prequel generation starts buying vintage toys, we're going to see a huge spike in interest in the Emperor. But I have to say that with with Snoke, um, that I I just it feels to me that that the Emperor is going down. But I will say mm. this, Steve. This is my theory. And I'm really proud of this theory. You know how everyone's asking about where does Ray come from? Yeah. I think I figured it out, Steve. If you watch her lightsaber form, nerdiest thing I've said on this podcast ever, if you watch her lightsaber form, it is a stabbing form. Do you know who uses a stabbing form, Steve? You wouldn't because you don't watch the prequels because you're a snob. Dude, that's my least favorite. One of my least favorite scenes of that whole movie is his. Steve, you're one of my least favorite scenes from that whole movie. That scene is awesome. The Emperor is the coolest. And his lightsaber style is this weird stabbing style. And Rey uses the same style. And so my theory (laughs) is that Rey is actually the offspring or somehow related to Emperor Palpatine. And let me tell you how it makes sense. She then becomes the perfect mirror reflection of Kylo Ren. (laughs) Kylo Ren was born to goodness and then turned to darkness. She was born to darkness and turned to goodness. Like he was, he was like uh, nurtured and went against that nurturing and went to the dark side. She was completely abandoned yet is somehow one of the most chipper, happy girls you could possibly imagine going sledding (laughs) in the sand and putting on helmets and, you know, just a totally good natured girl. And I think what we're going to see is this fight between I think it's going to be grandparents. I think I think I think Palpatine is going to be her grandfather, and Vader is going to be Kylo's <laughs> grandfather. And it's going to be this whole thing of like, is good nature or nurture? And I think in the end, they're they're both going to be good, and, and it's going to be this weird, huh. cool thing of like. But I think she's going to be really tested when she finds this out. I think that's why she was hidden. She was hidden because she's too dangerous. Because she's like. <laughs> direct descendant of the most dangerous person in the universe, Steve. Tell me I'm wrong. Tell me that's not the best answer, Steve. I, I will say it's uh, not an interesting answer. I think it's a very interesting answer. I I don't know. I, I don't, And people are probably going to get upset by saying this, but I, I kind of like the fact that she doesn't necessarily have to be related to anybody, right? I, but I guess she has to just in the sense of the way the, the story usually works, but I, I don't know. She, she doesn't I, have I to be, but it's more interesting if she does. And you can complain and say it's so derivative. We know she has to be. But... Well, no, no. It's, it's not even that. I mean, I, I guess if I was going to say maybe like Obi-Wan's descendant or something. I don't know. But that's because I like Obi-Wan. So that's, that's a little bit biased. But, but to me, that's, that's so against his character. I don't think he should. But I could easily see Palpatine being like, a... I'm going to spread my seed as far as I can. The dark side of the uterus. Nah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, my God. What? That is pretty disturbing. Um, 
yeah, I, I think that's that's quite. Oh, I'm afraid my sperm is quite motile. Um. <laughs> All right. <laughs> the best usage of motile on this podcast. Okay. Um. <laughs> anyway, so that that's my theory. So in the event that that's true, the emperor's right back up again in terms of relevance. But I would say in general, Obi Wan and the emperor are. I'm sorry, Steve. This is one of those moments where I'm I'm so pleased with myself. It's hard for me to actually continue going on because I'm throwing my arm out, patting myself on the back. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's that's sort of why I would put them in in the realm of losers. And as far as the third biggest winner, Steve, number three, we have a winner. I think it has to be Chewbacca. Yeah. He was a he was a pretty awesome in this thing. There's so many ways that he's a winner, and so Steve, you're just gonna have to let me go here because this is Chewbacca. That's all right. I about. figured this is the time where you're gonna you're gonna go off. So I'm gonna sit back and. and... <laughs> first, first of all, like you mentioned, probably the best, funniest, most heartwarming scene in the entire two hours and sixteen minutes is when Chewbacca is being tended to by the Doctor. Now, first yeah. of all, this is the first Doctor we've ever seen that's not a hideous robot. But- Right, okay. right. It's some old woman, and the dialogue mm-hmm. is like, uh, that sounds very scary. <laughs> you sound very brave. <laughs> this moment, Steve, let me tell you why it's so beautiful. This creature, this beautiful, loyal, brave creature, spends its entire life with Han Solo, the king of withholding. He withholds all compliments. He only barks at you. He doesn't validate anything. He is a complete invalidator, <laughs> which I would argue is the greatest fault that led me to my divorce. I bet that led to his divorce too, to be honest. If you can't validate Steve, you cannot be in a relationship. A little word of advice as you're getting married. And so Chewbacca here is so strong and so great, but this moment is not actually about healing his arm. That's actually his therapist. That's why you go to therapy. That's you go his to, therapist. You go All to right. therapy because that's just what you need. You don't need someone to tell you how yeah. to fix things. You don't need someone to tell you this. But just to listen to you and just say, hey, getting shot in yeah. the arm is scary. Yeah. You must be really yeah. brave. Like that's so not just heartwarming, but again, it's like evolved. It's kind of like the relationship between Han and Leia. It's these kinds of things that make me think episode seven has the depth that I feared it wouldn't have because of, yeah, of moments yeah. like this moments, like I guess too, like the moment where Ray is just playing around with a helmet, like those kind of weird quiet moments that have this sort yeah. of richness yeah. and depth to them. So like, yeah, well, yeah. I got to say to give Hans a little bit of credit when he did get injured, he did say he gripped out, which I kind of, kind of caught me off guard. You know, do you remember that? He did say it. Well, no, but, you, but, you, but you got, you got all garbled. Say it again. Sorry. Uh, so there was that moment after Chewie had been wounded. Uh, Han's like, "Hey, you did great, pal. You you just rest." So, so that that was kind of that is like the one other time where he <laughs> is barking at. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true, but yeah. I I don't know. That was. It's- I mean, so he's like the emotional heart. He's also the comedic heart because probably the funniest series of lines in the movie are when Finn says, we'll use the force to get into the base. And he says, Han responds, that's not how the force works. And then she was yeah. like, and then, oh, you're cold. Like there's all these moments. Because the thing is, if you watch the movies the way I do, which is exclusively staring at Chewbacca whenever he's on screen, <laughs> um, episode four, he's just a coward. 
right? He's just like a he's a cowardly lion who's always braying yeah. and terrified, and he's really reactive. Episode five, <laughs> he's emotionally wounded, and then episode six. He's just kind of a larger Ewok. He's just kind of more of a teddy bear. He's a little, yeah. bit, he's a little bit more cuddly. So yeah. what what Kasdan and Abrams and I suppose Little Miss Sunshine did um, was they were able to put all those things together to make a complete Chewy movie. So he was kind of, say, yeah. kind of funny and yeah. cowardly in the way in which he, uh, you know, like was, was, you know, cold and things like that. And there were moments right. where he seemed right. a little bit fearful. But then he was also really emotional in that great scene where he's mourning, mourning uh, uh, Han's death. Yeah, and, yeah. And then comedic, and then he was cuddly. I mean, the part where he goes over and Han and hugs Leia—that's so great because Han and Leia don't know what to do, and he's just like, yeah. again, Steve. I hate to keep on going back to this divorce stuff, but it turns out that it's it's really tied into what I like about this movie. But like, I'm sure you know people who have been in breakups. And you like both yeah, people. Yeah. And it's like there's just a moment where you just want to go over. And even though you're more friends with one of them than you are the other, you yeah, just want yeah. to hug them and be right. like, hey, you know, I like you. You're a good person. Again, it's like a really sweet moment. And yeah. And so yeah. so Han, you know, so so Chewie, he has all of that in this movie. And on top of all that, right. they got some new actor from Finland, like Teppo Numanin or Sak- Saku Koivu. I don't know what his name is. But he's a basketball player, right? So, yeah, I think so. But he's yeah. great, and he moves, and like he moves really well. And like when he, when he climbs up the the ladder, oh, and oh, yeah, he, he yeah. kind of pants a little bit. He's like, <laughs> like kind of like a dog. You, you, you and like hear a like a dog, a dog panting. Yeah, totally. It's a totally new noise. Chewbacca's never made that noise before. And so, yeah. as much as I love Peter Mayhew, he was not made for this role much longer. You know. Um, right, right. So this new guy did a really great job. I think he, you know, he he wasn't just a seat, uh, just a suit filler. Like he actually did act quite well. And then on top of all of that, Steve, think about the future of this movie. Who, mm-hmm. who is sitting next to the main character in the Millennium Falcon? Yep, it's yep. Chewie. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And okay, Luke is going yeah. to figure into the next movies, but he's sure, not going to sure. be. Luke, he's not going to be the same Luke. Chewie gets to be the same Chewie from the original trilogy through this new yep. one, but just mm-hmm. more so, just more featured, better acted, that whole thing. So as a Chewbacca yeah. collector, I can say, whoa, this did absolute wonders for me as far as feeling as a yeah. Chewbacca collector because he's <laughs> – frankly, it's kind of lucky. It's just like, hey, he's not – you know, he's not uh, uh, he's not a human being. So I'm sure they would have mm-hmm. liked to keep Han later, but Han Harrison Ford can't live forever, but Chewbacca can live right. forever. And so that's yeah. why I, I yeah. would say that that I mean, and beyond that, just his revenge scene, he like takes out four troopers at once and blows up the whole damn yeah. thing. Yeah. Like he's yeah. he's everything. This this movie oh. I was so and this is hey, you want me to complain about the prequels? Uh I love George Lucas for inventing Kashyyyk. I think George Lucas sure. did an amazing thing in inventing Kashyyyk, but I don't. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that he used it to its maximum in Episode Three. No, absolutely not. No. So I, I love seeing seeing Chewbacca back, and I really think that's yeah. why why he is the the third biggest winner, uh, vintage winner yeah. of the Force Awakens. 
Yeah, I mean, I got to say, like, that, you know, you're absolutely spot on with him and Leia earlier in the movie. The one thing that it just, I don't know, maybe if I see it again, it's not going to feel as strange. But when they come back at the end and he just kind of walks right by her, that there is no kind of moment between them to kind of deal with Han's death, which I thought was a little strange. And I, I don't know. I mean, what do you think about that? That Chewie just walks by Leia? Yeah, that's in there. Oh, I didn't notice that. I But, uh, yeah, it's strange. Okay, maybe I don't just watch that. It's- I think because yeah. they're trying so, because because that's he because his reaction wasn't the emotion. I mean, the last line that he said that Han says to him is, "I'll meet you back here." You know, it's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There wasn't a, yeah. a great big goodbye for that, right? So, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, yeah. No, Chewbacca definitely uh, killed it in this one. So I'm, I'm sure I, I would see for you as a as a Chewie guy. Yeah. Well, Steve, I need to I need to go tinkle. So why don't we take a break before we get to the top two losers and winners in the vintage hobby from The Force Awakens. Yeah, Steve, I I had to take a break after that little Chewbacca breakdown there. I don't even th- I don't even think that's everything. But let's no. get let's get to the biggest loser. The biggest losers of the Force Awakens, Steve. Okay. All right. This is really controversial. Number 2. Loser. R2D2 and C3PO. Yeah. That's that's a rough one. It's a rough one. But I'm sorry. I may change my mind in the future. It's possible. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you this. If they made a Wookiee that was a lot cooler and more interesting than Chewbacca, I would be <laughs> the last person to admit it. But BB-8 is so incomprehensibly good. I can't. Yeah. There is not an amount of hyperbole I could put on it. When you watch him on screen, I seriously just go, how did they do this? Like, no matter how cynical you want to be, and I want to be cynical, I want to be contrarian, right? Sure, sure. It's unbelievable. It is such a good character. It is such an unbelievably, incomprehensibly well-acted, well-designed. The mechanics are great. You emotionally feel for it. It does everything that yep. C-3PO and R2-D2 did. You just don't need those two guys anymore. You just don't. And I, and I know that's lame. But when I saw BB-8 with... I mean, I saw R2-D2 on the, on the yeah. little island instead of BB-8, yeah. I, I was kind of like, uh-huh. oh, that's a bummer. Well, I mean, really, see, and that's cool. He can hang know. out with Luke, I guess. But yeah, what do you think? I, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say I, would, I was bummed out about R2-D2 being on me. I actually really like that i mean i'll always associate luke and r2 together um so you understand like yeah luke is mia i like that they kind of made r2 the same you know it's they are to me linked uh c3po i i don't know he's been ever since episode two i guess i feel like they haven't i don't know he just hasn't been quite right to me um and this you know this is fine um but it just didn't it just didn't seem all that important, if that makes sense. Um, it was just, uh, I don't know. 
But no, I totally agree on BB-8. The BB-8 was incredible, and I don't see why they, they can't, at least him and R2, I think, can't coexist. It's just C-3PO just doesn't do do as much as he did, or can. Well, well, well this is like the, some of the things I'm thinking, is that, yeah. you know, especially with R2-D2, part of me feels that that they knew that R2-D2 is George Lucas, right? Like, mm. George Lucas is is one of three characters. He's Luke, <laughs> he's Darth Vader, or he's R2-D2, right? I think yeah, if you put those right. three together, that's kind of who it is. Like, Luke is the yeah. idealistic Mary Sue that dominates the first movie, and he's kind mm-hmm. of Darth Vader because he's out of control of his own power, and he's more machine than man. But really, right. he's always talked about his favorite character being R2-D2. And yeah. he's yeah. always insisted and made it that R2-D2 is the thread that carries through the six yeah. real Star Wars movies. And I'm sorry, right. folks, The Force Awakens is still not a real Star Wars movie. So you can, <laughs> I can say how great it is, but it's not a Star Wars movie. I mean, it's a great movie. It may be better than other <laughs> Star Wars movies at the end of the day, but it's still not a Star Wars movie. But uh, there, there he is. There's I'm back guy. again. But I think part of the reason they had R2-D2 so out of it and why they had to have BB-8 in is they had to say, listen, this is done. Whatever was is no more, and R2-D2 is in sleep mode, and he may come back, and he may have a thing, but we have for the first time a real Star Wars movie in which R2-D2 cannot tell you the story. Everything else, if you ask R2-D2 what happened in 1 through 6, he'll be able to tell Mm -hmm. you start to finish. In this one, this is what R2-D2 could tell you. I had a map. That was it. (laughs) That was all all he could tell you. BB-8 is the one who can tell you the story. So yeah. that's yeah. why I, I put R2-D2 as a loser and I put C-3PO as a loser just because I didn't think he was very well written. I thought he no, was, I, I didn't he was most of the fan service I thought was with him and it, it mm-hmm. wasn't funny. He was comic relief in a movie that was already funny. So it didn't – Yeah. It yeah. didn't – I didn't need him there and yeah. So yeah. – uh, Yeah, it, I will say I, I loved uh, Han's – visual reaction to him. I've always loved the way he just kind of despised 3PO. Uh, right. And there was there was a hint of that there. Because the very first time they meet, he just kind of shakes his head and walks away. And I've always loved that moment. He almost does the same thing again. But yeah, I, I just didn't think... Uh, yeah, I think you're right. It's it's, it's more of a, a continuity thing where, you know, Anthony Daniels is still around and, and still up for doing it, I guess. And I, I don't know. It just didn't... Yeah. I don't know. I... But, but we'll you. see. I mean, I'm, I I could be totally wrong here because they're still featured in the new movies, which I guess has to make them kind of a winner because they're yeah. in the modern yeah. – and again, if if we're going by the idea of if you saw it, would you be more likely to buy it or less likely to buy it now? I guess it would have to be a little bit more because you know that the character is continuing on and, and he's he's not – Right. They're, they're, not, they're not dormant. But maybe that's just more in terms of, of character development and things from the vintage world being brought into the modern world. Mm-hmm. Han actually felt like he was reborn, and they felt mm-hmm. to me like they were they were dying. They were the ones who were being put away. But yeah, yeah. And then that leads to my number two vintage winner, Steve. Okay. Number two, winner. It's a tie between. Luke Jedi mm-hmm. and Farm Boy Luke. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. So I think those two versions of Luke Skywalker, I think 
I mean, it's tough to say because I wanted to say that Chewie was the biggest winner. Because um, <laughs> you'll see that my number one winner and number one loser, it's I'm, I'm, I get a little goofy. But I wanted to say that of the toys that 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 Luke that Chewie was the biggest winner, but just turning him into the Obi-Wan who's going to kind of continue and continuing his mythic presence. Um, it's kind of like what they did with Vader, but I think more. And yeah. I think it makes it a lot more Luke Skywalker's story and a lot less Darth Vader's story. And again, it's, it's thinking yeah. about it in terms of the six original movies and then the new ones. And it's like, mm-hmm. It, the pendulum is swinging very, very much towards Luke's story. Right, yeah, right. and his importance. Yeah. So that's why, I, and I think in particular, just with Luke sitting there in his Jedi robes, I think that the Return of the Jedi Luke will be more sought after. And yeah, I, I don't, the yeah. first thing I thought of was when I saw just the color of his. I just see. I just saw the figure standing there, <laughs> right from the back, like on the on this cliff, you know, it's, with the snap cape. Funny. <laughs> yes, exactly with the snap cape. But yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Well, and then with the original too. I mean, it's to me. I just kind of associated that with with Ray in a lot of ways. Exactly. Um, they, in the they, sense they, that yeah. you know the main the main protagonist, they they're, they're matched up. And then just, I don't know, we haven't really talked about the score all that much, the figure into vintage toys, but just the fact that the, the one really standout piece of music, like, like Luke's theme from the original, is, is hers. And I don't know, there's definitely a parallel there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that, that Ray is the new Luke, and they did it mm-hmm. in a really interesting way. And they, yes. they, they did it yeah. in a more successful way. Let's get into the music, Steve. Do you want to? I'd love to. I love talking about John Williams. Because you know we've we've talked a lot. I mean, it's funny. I am looking forward to the next uh, Star Wars Oxygen so much. Yes, yeah. Because all other analysis of the Force Awakens, I think I will either get to or I can do myself or whatever. But mm-hmm. getting to hear what David Collins and Jimmy Mack are going to talk about when they break down. The thing. I mean, I'm already excited because yeah. I listen, listen to the soundtrack and I try and think, okay, well, this is very clearly, you know, that the 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 rebel the resistance march is the same thing as the separatist march. Just it's a couple mm-hmm. notes off. So I'm like, right. is there some kind of hint here that the separatists are linked to the resistance somehow? Like that kind of stuff and <laughs> all the kind of callbacks. But I can't do it. I just I don't have a mind. I don't have that level of expertise. But yeah, I, well, neither do I. That's what I love about that show. So but much. but I I posted that it was my biggest disappointment was the soundtrack, and right, that still right. may be true. But the weird thing was when I said that it was a disappointment, everyone was like, "I agree, it was a bad soundtrack." It's like, whoa, right, whoa, right. whoa. That's not that's not yeah what you're trying to say, right? And I think what it is again, the movie has a certain it has restraint in strange places. Yes. So. It has a ton of restraint in terms of there not being a new bombastic theme. Exactly. Yeah. And I don't know – I think I know why. I think it's because there's no place for it. And really, episode four – if you look at episode four, yeah, the, the only place for a bombastic theme is the – okay, you have to count the main intro. If you don't count the songs that are generic to Star Wars, right? Yeah. 
then what do you have? You have I don't I can't, I can't even really describe it. It's so complicated to say. But essentially, yeah. what you needed was not the bombastic theme because that's the Star mm-hmm. Wars theme. There was no right. real need for that like there was in the prequels because George Lucas mm-hmm. His movies, part of what made them so great is his connection to Williams and his ability to, to create that. And that's, again, right. part of what I think Lucas does great that I don't think anyone else will be able to recreate is his usage of music. There was yeah. no scene that required that. What they really needed mm-hmm. was a great theme that was quiet and was able to yeah. match where Ray was coming from. Right. And, right. and they did that with that weird little glockenspiel thing that's Ray's theme, mm-hmm. which is just great. Yeah. Uh, and then they also needed a cool light motif for Kylo Ren. And I don't know about mm-hmm. you, Steve, but every time, I, so I have the soundtrack, you know, and, I, and, I, and yeah. I listen to it, I don't know, every day with my kids. Every time, because there's no song that's just called Kylo Ren's theme. No, no, it just up here and there in, in the different moments. Yeah. And every time it does, I I go yes. But every time it comes up, I go. Every time I hear yeah. those notes, I get really psyched. And so again, I think that's kind of a restraint thing. They could have had a whole imperial march thing, and I think they're yeah. going to for for uh, whatever the 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 republic order. The republic flames out or whatever they call it, the next one. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, that that's exactly the thought I had. Is like I thought about you know Star Wars can kind of associate certain bits of music with the rebels. I mean, kind of the themes that you hear a lot during the the end of the movie. And sure, they they came up with a new a new kind of resistance theme for this, as you mentioned. But you don't really get a strong, you know, imperial theme until Empire Strikes Back. I'm wondering if they're gonna they're gonna use you know maybe try and do something like that. I'm just glad they didn't reuse it. You know, I, right. I, it's yeah, it was a great decision not to because it's it's everywhere. So I I don't know. I I'm I'm totally with this soundtrack. I don't some of the like kind of inner you know, connecting pieces aren't necessarily as memorable as some of the other stuff in the other movies, but I think, you know, race thing is what really makes it. Right, and it is definitely, the more you listen to it, the more you like it. Like, the first time I heard the March of the Resistance, I just thought, okay, this is just a, a weird ripoff of the Separatist thing. But now I listen yeah. to it, and I start to hear it goes in different places, and I get excited about where it goes. And the right. thing is, and this is where I will actually feel that I know the movie well enough to say, how do I mm-hmm. think of it for real, is when I can yeah. listen to the soundtrack, and it's as though I was watching the movie. Because that's one of my yeah, favorite things right. to do. Like I can listen yeah. to the Return of the Jedi soundtrack, and I'm just watching a movie. I'm not even right, you know. Yeah. And yeah. and I, so I I think I I still don't think it'll ever be as good as the other six movies. I I don't think it no, will quite be I, that I, good. No, but I not, still not think as it'll a whole. No, no, no. But, and I don't know if you noticed this or, or got this vibe. There's this music that's repeated several times. It's kind of a, an actiony kind of little bit that me sounds so similar to some of the music that was cut from Empire Strikes Back in the Hoth scenes. I don't know if you go back and listen to like Whoa. the old version of the, the Williams soundtrack. you all David Collins. I know. I, I love <laughs> that show, man. I, I don't know if anyone else noticed that or not. But it, on the soundtrack, I think it's the track that's just called The Falcon. Or one of those two in that little section. But I don't know. It's it just, yeah, I love this kind of stuff. But I, I, don't, I don't get the, the, the 
argument saying that it's a poor or bad soundtrack. I don't think that's the case at all. Sure, it doesn't it doesn't quite stand up as a whole to the others, but yeah, I don't know. Right. And, and I like just, it the more I listen to it. it. Right, and it may be too subtle for its own good. And so now, yeah, yeah. B- being the, the great George Lucas lover that I am, let me tell you <laughs> two things that this movie does not do as well as George Lucas. You ready? <laughs> okay, I'm ready. Number one, parallel editing. Okay? <laughs> I, I get it, okay? You can say all the things you want that are bad about the prequels. The last ten, the, the action scenes and his parallel editing of things that are happening on multiple different fronts, you know, that he essentially yeah. started with Return of the Jedi, with the battle yeah. on the Death Star, yeah. and the battle on Endor, right. and the battle in space, that yep. is an art. That is an art which, as far as I can tell, with the exception of, I don't know, the end of Godfather, <laughs> Godfather 1, it, you know, yeah, the exception yeah. of that, I don't know when it's ever been done as well as Lucas has done it. And he does it amazingly. Those four movies, Return of the Jedi and the three prequels, the parallel action is so good, is so exciting, is so tied in with the music. I totally understand people's difficulty with the dialogue and the acting and the emotion and the CGI and all that stuff. But that's Mm -hmm. something you cannot take away from Lucas. And I don't think anyone will ever do as well as he did, particularly in like episode one. I mean, it is just amazing. I was just going to say that the, the strongest part of that movie for me is the way the last, I guess, half hour or so is put yeah. together. Um, and the thing, that's the thing that kills me about episode two is that it's it's edited in a similar way, but I hated that they, because of, I don't know why exactly, but they had to end up using some of the you know great music that stands out in episode one and just re-cobbling it together. That's the one thing I just can't stand about right. that movie. But yeah, no, they... I, I can't take that away from you. That, that's absolutely true. So I would say that's one thing that we, we help to see that Lucas can do. The other thing is the the ending with no dialogue. It felt mm-hmm. forced, and it felt like J.J. didn't actually know totally how to do it. He knew <laughs> that he had to have the last five minutes with no dialogue, right? Uh-huh. And it's actually interesting because I'm pretty sure that when we start analyzing this movie and putting it next to episode four, there's going to be a lot of things that link up. Like exactly, mm-hmm. and so I bet sure. that when Chewbacca howls, because Chewbacca has the last line of of Episode Four, <laughs> he also has the last yeah. line of Episode Seven. It's just a little grunt, mm-hmm. but um, mm-hmm. uh, so that, that'll be interesting to, to, when that when that comes out. But you know, so Leia says, "May the Force be with you," and then there's no dialogue, right? Just right. like she said, "No, he's my brother," and that was the last bit of dialogue in Episode Six. The last bit of dialogue mm-hmm. is always something meaningful, and then a whole series of instrumental stuff. Right. And it was her flying and walking up the steps, but the music mm-hmm. wasn't quite as well integrated. It didn't quite have that sweeping feel, especially again, uh, the the prequels had intercut with all these different things and so did so did the uh so did the the original trilogy as well it's not that it was bad but that in both cases i think that that definitely the force awakens did a lot of things that george lucas does not do well right he just Mm -hmm. he doesn't do comedy particularly well he doesn't do likable characters particularly well anymore (laughs) i I get that you know that's true but in terms of, and I guess you could also throw another thing it didn't do is complexity and cohesion in terms of political machinations, but maybe that's part of the reason people like it. Because I don't understand mm-hmm. anything that's going on in this movie, Steve. What is Dude, the Republic I, I versus know. the First I Order versus the Resistance? Confused. 
who's in power? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And they, but no one yeah. cares. But you right. know, Lucas would make sure you knew exactly what was happening. Um, yeah. But, yeah. But I just sort of wanted to say that you know, let's. Of course, this is a great movie, and I I do anticipate. If I had to predict, I'm going to anticipate that this will be probably my fifth favorite movie that is called Star Wars. I imagine that mm. that I, that it'll be, you know, after Episode One, which is my favorite prequel. I imagine it'll yeah. it'll it'll fit in there. I don't know. Well, time will tell. Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, just just to sort of point out the things that the GL did that other people can't do. Yeah, that's that's uh, spot on. Um, so what, are we down to our, our number one winner and loser yet? Yes. We... Our number one winner okay. and loser. The number one winner and loser of the vintage Star Wars collecting hobby after the release of Star Wars The Force Awakens. The number one loser are haters. And the number one winner, Steve, is you. Now, I, don't, I don't mean you, you. <laughs> I mean you, the listener of this show. Okay. The war is over. We won. It's done. Like, you can try to make fun of toy collectors, and people do. And there's that Saturday Night Live sketch that was very funny, and it was making fun of toy collectors, and people can laugh at it. And that's actually on the the walk where I walked Bo before I started talking to you. I was listening to the Adam Carolla show from a, a week back, and they were. They were laughing at at that, saying how true it is and how stupid men are, who adult men mm. who still collect toys and all that. Right, right. But just, it's over, Steve. We won. Yeah. We don't <laughs> even have to kind of hide our head when we say that we're vintage Star Wars collectors anymore. No, Do we? no. I don't think so. Uh, no. I mean, it's maybe good. if we only collected modern, you know, maybe they haven't quite won. But but I but I feel like if someone like if someone walks up to you and says you know, yeah you know I I collect golden age comic books, I don't go what a nerd, you know I just right, go right right okay that guy's a serious collector. I feel like this this weird confluence, the number, the sheer number of references to the old toys and the Sotheby's and everything we talked about last last month or whatever a week right. ago. Right. Now I'm on break. I'm recording podcasts every day. Um, <laughs> you know, like it's. We absolutely won. The Force Awakens is a victory for vintage collectors. I would say, yeah, yeah. Um, partly because Star Wars is cool again, and that's that's the thing. Is that like the prequels kind of took away the cool from Star Wars? It sort yeah. of it took the Star Wars fanatic and put them into the Trekkie category, right? Of sort yeah. of nerds you can make fun of. Whereas the success of this, because it's so, it's such an echo of the original, you're going to have people who say that they're Star Wars fanatics who have only seen the movie five times and own a t-shirt, but they will still call themselves a Star Wars fanatic, Steve. Everywhere I go, oh, my poor son. So, you know, my son's (laughs) not like me, which first of all, strike one. Um, (laughs) But I, I was thinking, I was like, so what's it like for you with all these kids talking about Star Wars? He's like, it's yeah, terrible. Yeah. It's like, it's terrible. They used to make fun of me all the time. And now they're all acting like they've been fans the whole time. And they say that I'm a fake fan and that they've been a real fan the whole time. And I have to like stop them and tell them, listen, that's uh, the way that's – I say Star Wars are like the Beatles. Everybody thinks that they're the biggest Star Wars fan. Everybody thinks that they're the biggest Beatles fan. 
But the mm-hmm. strange thing is they are the most successful music music group and the most successful movie franchise, respectively. So that's part of their strength comes from this ownership that you feel over it. Yeah. It didn't quite work. Yeah. He's, he's still getting in fights on the schoolyard. Oh, yeah, I can say I could sympathize with that. I never gotten any fights, but growing up when I did, I was the only person. No one knew what I was talking about. But yeah, <laughs> I did. I remember thinking when the special editions were coming out, I got a little jealous when kids that, you know, the cool kids all of a sudden were talking about Star Wars. I'm like, wait, that's not yours. You know, it's just, <laughs> it's, it's just funny. Yeah, I, I, that's, that's interesting if that's happening to him now. But, um, yeah, that's, it's crazy, man. I don't know. <laughs> it, 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 really, it really is everywhere. And, I mean, it's really, it's almost like, an, like a parallel. Like, imagine if everybody loved Phantom Menace. Like, what would have happened? I know. You know? I, it's. Yeah, everybody world. saw that and then said, "That was great," <laughs> you know. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So that's why I said they were kind of cheats because, for real, the biggest winner is Luke, and the biggest loser is R two and C three PO. Um. In 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 my non scientific opinion. And mostly right. just because, because I, as I learned, you know, it's it's better to start arguments. What do you think of my my list, Steve? Oh wait, should, should, should I, I, I get, wait? Should I go through it ten to one? Yeah, let's let's do a quick recap. Okay, the biggest losers from the Force Awakens: number ten, Boba Fett; number nine, Ewoks; number eight, Jabba aliens; number seven, B wing pilot; number six, the B wing ship; A wing pilot; A wing ship; Y wing ship. Number five, the Bandolier Strap. Number four, Yoda and Lando. Number three, the Emperor and Obi-Wan. Number two, R2-D2 and C-3PO. Number one, haters. <laughs> and the top ten winners. Number ten, Lightsaber Accessories. Number nine, the Millennium Falcon. Number eight, Han Hoth and Luke X-Wing. Number seven, Akbar and Yen Nub. Number six, the Stormtrooper. Number five, Han and Leia. Number four, Darth Vader. Number three, Chewbacca. Number two, Luke Jedi and Luke Farmboy. And number one, you. <laughs> I actually, uh, for most of that, I, I, I'd say I'd pretty much agree with you. Um, yeah, it was, a, it was a fun way to go about this, too. I was a little curious what how this, I think that was, a, that was a fun way for me, at least, to kind of go through it. Yeah, and I, I think I was able to raise most of the points I wanted to in kind of talking about about my my thoughts on the movie. Um, are you yeah, planning, are you planning on how many times have you seen it, Steve? I've seen it twice, and uh, now that I'm uh, I'm all pumped up again, I might just go see it right now. I got the yeah, day Steve. off, so <laughs> do it, man. I tell you, yeah. last last night, you know, I was so lonely. My family was gone. My girl was gone. All that. So I was going to go see a ten twenty five showing. I'm just going to go do it. You know. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm going to do right now. I think I'll probably just be in a. <laughs> Did you ever go to the Vista Theater, in LA? Yes. On Sunset. Oh so yeah, I think yeah. that's where I'm going to go. I'll probably just be in there with a bunch of uh, other hipster-looking guys. <laughs> yes. In addition <laughs> to you. Yes. In addition to me, right? Because that's that's <laughs> what I am. Now. <laughs> uh, yeah. <sighs> Well, Steve, uh, that's 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 awesome. Um, I also did get a a Christmas gift from you, but I haven't opened it yet. Oh, good. So I, I, I didn't say whether to open it or not. I can't remember. But 
I didn't open it, but I don't think I'm going to get anything for Christmas. That's one of the bummers of being divorced is you don't have the other parent to make sure that someone buys you a Christmas gift. Um, so it may actually be my only Christmas gift. So you'll have to tune in to the new year uh, to hear our episode 68. Um, now, you did want to get the original roundtable on here to talk about it. Um, I thought about that. Um, I wasn't sure if that's something you want to do. Um, it's just an idea that I had. Yeah, it's been three years, right, since, since we all were on there. Yeah, it's been three years, but to be honest, like, if I talk to Christian Gullivius and Ron again, I want to talk about toys. I mean, I, I, I'm happy about the movie and everything, but yeah, yeah, I, I really want to talk about toys. And uh, next month, I guess I'll talk about this on air. Should we try to get Grant to talk about the TIE Fighter pilot, Steve? I mean, I, I can't really think of another uh, person that would be better, right? I mean, that's yeah. collection, it's just, so, yeah. It's just it's funny to have one of, you know, our competitor on our podcast, but I think we should. Um, yeah. Because he's one, one hell of a, that's one hell of a pilot collector, um, <laughs> as, as we would say. Uh, this is terrible, Steve. Now I want to go see the movie again, too. Go for it. Yeah, yeah, maybe I'll I will. Yeah, cause you know what? Whatever. Grades are due on tomorrow. I'm fine. <laughs> Grades are due on tomorrow. That's, that's great. <laughs> There's Star Wars in the theater right now, man, and it's not bad Star Wars. So. I, it's uh, like the last three movies. It's good Star Wars. Okay. Um, all right. Well, then, Steve, uh, we'll, we'll get back to our, our regular stuff later. But for now, I'll say yeah. Wampa Wampa. Adios. Top 10 winners and losers in the vintage Star Wars collecting hobby after the release of The Force Awakens. Number 10 loser. Number 10 winner. Number 9. Lahu Zahur. Number 9. Winner. Number eight, loser. Number eight, winner. Number seven, loser. Number seven, winner. Number six, loser. Number six, winner. Number five, loser. Number five, winner. Number four, loser, 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 loser. Number four, winner, 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 winner. Number three, Lahu Zahir. Number three, we have a winner. Number two, loser. Number two, winner. The number one winner and loser of the vintage Star Wars collecting hobby after the release of Star Wars The Force Awakens. <laughs> <laughs>